Praise the Lord. So good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. Aren't you glad to be saved? So good to see that some of our A1 class is with us tonight. Glad to see that you guys had a safe trip back home. I was talking about y'all this morning. I called you crazy, I think, from the pulpit. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but just nod your head if we did have a fun, crazy time. It was, um, it was good. I want to deal with the topic tonight, if I could, for just a few minutes on something that kind of stirs my heart, and that is, where are the anointed? In the day and age that we live in, ladies and gentlemen, we need more men and women that are full of the anointing of God. I'm telling you, we are fighting more combating forces of the enemy than we have ever fought in any generation. There are more forces of evil right now at bay and working in our world than I've ever seen in my life. And I think there's some of you here that are older than I that would agree that you've never seen such demonic forces that are attacking the church. Anybody that, that tries to be a politician or run for office that has morals about them, they are constantly being attacked just like our president is constantly attacked by far-left liberals. I've never seen a time like we're living in today. We need some anointed people. It has once been said that the only way that a wrong man can come into power is if the right man is not taking his rightful place. And so tonight in our story, I'm going to go to Judges chapter 9, and you can just kind of follow along with me. We're, we'll, I'll tell you, and we'll go verse by verse here in just a few minutes, but... But in the book of Judges, it is about 13 different individuals whom God would use to keep Israel from their idolatry and every other form of disobedience. They had fallen into idolatry, meaning that they were worshiping other gods. God began to set up judges over the people. In the book of Judges, there are 13 distinct judges that God put over the people of Israel. Please take note, there were no kings in those days, only judges, all right? That, that God had not yet given them kings, so they were all called judges. The judge that I want to talk about tonight, who is probably one of the most famous judges for Israel, was a man by the name of Gideon. He would later be known Jeroboam, is what he would be called, but he was Gideon. The reason that he got the word Jer name Jeroboam was because he went in there, he was a man of God, he went in there and he tore down the altars that had been built to Baal. He tore them up. I thank God for some people that still stand against evil, aren't you? Jeroboam contended with Baal. That means that he stood in opposition to what was wrong. God help us that instead of just tolerating sin, instead of tolerating what's going on in our world, let us be the voice, the anointed that rises up and says it's wrong. If Listen, if the church doesn't correct the issues that are going on in our world today, I want to ask you a question. Who's going to do it? If the church doesn't stand up against wickedness and the, the idols of Baal, if I can say it that way, and the idols that our world is raising up, who in the world is going to stand up against it? The world's not going to stand against it, folks. It's going to be the Christian. It's going to be the anointed. So my question tonight is, where is the anointed that's going to stand up and be accounted for and allow God to use them? So the people tried their best to, make the, to get their first king, but, but God refused. He doesn't give them a king during this time. But during his lifetime, Gideon or Jeroboam would have 71 sons. Now listen to this very closely. Seventy of them were from his wives. But there was one that during Gideon's lifetime... Early on in his life, he had a son that he had 
with a servant girl that he never married. So it was an illegitimate child. How many of you knew that about Gideon? Read your Bible. That's what happened. Gideon, early on in his life, it shows us that God knows we can make mistakes, but it doesn't mean that we can't come back from those mistakes. And Gideon was one of those men that made a mistake, but God brought him back. When I look at Jerubbabel, and or we'll call him Gideon tonight just for, to make it easier to pronounce, Israel was asking for a new leader that would take his place because Gideon has died. His firstborn son was Jether. Now look at chapter 8 and verse 20 with me. And he said to Jether, which was his firstborn son, this is Gideon, he's still alive at this time. He says, rise and kill them. But the youth would not draw his sword for he was afraid because he was still a youth. So when Jether was called upon to, you know, stand up and be accounted for, be anointed, be brave, he backed down from the enemy and refused to do it. And Gideon ended up killing those two men that were against him with his sword. The story goes that none of his 70 sons wanted to be the judge over Israel. The truth of the matter is is that there was really no job opening because there's not yet kings as I've already stated. It is only a judge. Now please understand that in order to be a judge you had to be anointed by God to do His work. How many of you know today that we have to have the anointing of God if we're going to make a difference in the world? How many of you know we cannot stand against Satan in our own strength? We talked about this this morning. We cannot stand against this world in our own strength. We need the power of God. Abimelech, his illegitimate son, wanted to rule Israel in his stead. Abimelech means this. It means my father is the king. The problem was with his name. At the time, there was no king. He just wanted to be a king. So this son of a servant girl is called my father is the king. But Abimelech thinks this, that all he needs is nepotism, which means favoritism. He thought because of who he was. See, nepotism means favoritism shown to relatives to occupy a desirable position. In other words, because of who my daddy is, I should automatically be the next guy in line. I'm the junior. I'm the one that deserves this spot. Can I tell you, there is no such thing as a nepotismic anointing or a favoritism anointing in God's kingdom. Can I say to somebody today, it really doesn't matter who your daddy is. It doesn't matter who your daddy was. because See, there's some people, they think that they're going to hang off of their daddy's coattail. You know, they think because my daddy pastors the church, when he dies, that I'm the rightful heir to the pulpit or the throne. Can we call it that? And they think just because of who they know, they can get to a position. But I tell you, that is not the way the anointing works. If God wants you at a place at a specific time, let me tell you, there is nobody. There is no man. There is no woman. There is no enemy in hell. There is nobody or no thing that can stop you from getting there. God doesn't care who our relatives are. When God gets ready to raise you up, there's one thing that's going to matter and that is are you walking in the anointing of the Spirit of God? And the anointing can take you places you never dreamed possible. So in order to occupy this position in the kingdom, we have to have this call from God. Our own call, not our mama's call for us, not our daddy's call, not your friend's call, not what your pastor thinks you're anointed to do. It is a specific call that God gives us. So Abimelech goes, and I'll just kind of paraphrase this because we don't have a lot of time to read it all. But Abimelech goes to his 70 brothers and he asks them, he's a smart cookie. 
he asks them, he makes a conspiracy, and says, why don't you make me the next judge? Why don't you put me in daddy's place? None of them wanted him to be king at the time, but because it was so enticing, they agreed and said, you know what? Go ahead, we'll give you the right to be called the king. That's what Abimelech called it. He wanted to be the first king that Israel ever had. But in God's eyes, it was only the judge. He tells them, I want you to take a pledge with me. He wants them to invest money to show their pledge or their vow. If you, if you invest in something, it means you'll really stand by your word. So he says, if you'll give me 70 shekels of silver, every one of his 70 brothers, he takes their money as their oath, all right, their money to say we're going to give you the throne. This is proving that we really mean what we're saying. He takes the 70 shekels of silver from all 70 brothers, all right. They make the pledge. They seal it with their money. He takes the money that they gave him. He hires some reckless men and says, I want you to take this money that my brothers gave me and I want you to kill all 70 of them. What a ruthless man. He thought he deserved this throne. He didn't deserve anything. He was full of sin. He was full of wickedness. They killed all 70 except for one brother. That one young one was called Jotham. He was the youngest of Gideon's sons who hid and remained alive. But let's go to verse 6. And all the men of Shechem gathered together, all of Beth Milo, and they went and made Abimelech king beside the terebinth tree at the pillar that was in Shechem. Now, the terebinth means a a shrub tree. There is something terribly wrong with this scene because technically they were choosing Abimelech to be the king of Israel, but God had not anointed him to be the king of Israel. These men knew what he had done, but yet they made him king anyway. Another problem with the scene is that the people of the city, they went along with it. They knew that this man had killed 69 of his 70 brothers and they still didn't stand up and say anything about it. Listen, not only do leaders need discernment, but followers need discernment too. Do you know there's so many people today that they're following a preacher? There's too many churches that are being ran by backslidden preachers. How many of you know that today? How many of you know that there are churches that are being led by leaders that are leading people astray? Do you believe that? Or do you believe every preacher's just good because his name's pastor or reverend in front of it? It means absolutely nothing. It is simply a title. It means nothing with what's going on in that man's heart. And so here we see that leaders need discernment, but also the people that are following a leader needs to have discernment because the Bible said if the blind lead the blind, what happens to them? They all fall in the ditch. They all fall down in a hole. There has to be spiritual discernment. These people did not have spiritual discernment. Where in the world is the anointed man that God wants to be the next judge after Gideon dies? Where is he at? Nobody's speaking up. Nobody's being and accounted for and everything's going horribly wrong. See this is what I see in our world today. We have to be careful in light of what's going on in our world that as people bring sin and simple thoughts and simple things into our nation we have to be sure that we're not like these people and say well I'm just going to go along with the flow. I can't make a difference anyhow. Let me tell you something your voice can make a difference somebody ought to shout hallelujah you can speak life into somebody in the middle of a dark world and they can can give their life to Christ. You can make a difference. One soul at a time. One individual at a time. God has his anointing on your life. You need to rise up and be accounted for. Let's go on to the next verse. Verse 7. Now when they told Jotham. 
he went and stood on top of Mount Gerizim and, and lifted his voice and cried out. This is, of course, the, the one that didn't get killed. He ran off and hid. The other 69 are dead. And he said to them, listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. Jotham is the only remaining son of Gideon that is a legitimate son. He, he's a rightful heir. The other is illegitimate. He hides himself while the others are being slaughtered. Jotham gives them a parable, and it's interesting. He describes to them in a parable what has happened, and each thing that he says has some spiritual significance that I'm going to show you tonight, if you'd allow me to do that. Can I say to somebody that prayer was not taken out of schools because Madeline O'Hare rose up one day and opposed it. Prayer was taken out of schools because the church kept their mouth shut when it was happening. You know, I want to say something. I, don't, I, I hate to preach politics, but I do, I do praise President Trump a lot and, uh, and because I like the guy. I think he's doing good things for our nation. But I'm going to tell you something. I was reading and doing some study on the prayer for church. You know, on January 15th, I was reading it just today, and, and I read it before, but I reiterate, I, I refresh myself on it today. On January 15th, President Trump was, was signing with his presidential executive order that prayer could be allowed back in schools. And he invited people, you may have remembered it, invited a young girl, she was even a Catholic girl, that felt like, you know, they had infringed on her right to pray uh, there at the school, and, and some of them had gotten on her and told her she was going to be kicked out of the school and all kinds of things. President Trump invited several of these cases to the White House and told them this would not happen anymore. It was wrong. This is not the way America was intended to be, that they had a religious freedom and they had a right to it, whether they were on school or at their home property, they had a right. And he signed that executive order. So there are steps that are being taken right now. And I thank God. Listen, I thank God for a leader that is standing up to those things that are wicked, those things that are sin. Somebody said, well, he's not a Christian. Well, that's between him and God. I didn't, I didn't say he was a Christian, but I thank God that he's supporting Christian values. And you have to thank God for that. Because sooner or later, there will be another leader that will get in there that won't support it and will try to take away more religious freedom. So I thank God. So when it shows us that whenever something comes up, the church doesn't need to be silent. The church needs to speak out. People say, well, let's not mix church and politics and things going on in the world. Let me tell you something, folks. The things going on in the world are the signs of the end time. We do need to get involved. We do need to let the world know. These things are not a coincidence. Viruses breaking out all across the world. It's not a coincidence. It is a sign of the end time. Jesus is coming. Where are the anointed that are going to tell the world about it? Where are the Anointed. This is a picture of the men of Shechem. They should have stood against Abimelech. They should have stood against that illegitimate son and said, You're wrong. You do not deserve the throne. You've done wrong. You've killed your 69 brothers. You don't deserve to do it. Go take a seat, boy. But they didn't do that. So Jotham gives them a parable. Let's go to verse 8. The trees once went forth to anoint a king over them. They said to the olive tree, Reign over us, olive tree. But the olive tree said to them, should I cease giving my oil with which they honor God and men and go sway over trees? The olive tree represents those who have truly been anointed to do the work of the kingdom. They went to the olive tree. The olive tree represents Gideon because Gideon was anointed by God. There's no question. God has a leader. And when God gets ready to choose a leader, it's his choice who the leader's going to be. He had chosen Gideon. 
All right? Now, when we look at Gideon, most of the people, if we would have been there, you'd have felt the same way too. Most of the people would not have chosen Gideon because he had a small army, had a small clan. When he starts, he's got 32,000 men. You know the story. God keeps just breaking them down until finally he's got 300 men. And he says, with these 300 men, we're going to overcome the enemy. Most people wouldn't have chosen Gideon. He doesn't have the clout. He doesn't have the experience. He has an illegitimate child. I mean, this guy it went to a servant girl he's had a child outside of marriage this guy isn't worthy to be a leader but even though he was the least likely warrior a matter of fact he was not a warrior he was a bread maker that's what he had done he made bread read your bible there's nothing about Gideon that was a sword or fighting or a warrior but God specializes in taking weak things and making them strong he specializes in taking the foolish things to confound the wise of this world. In other words, God does things that makes people stand back and say, how in the world did that happen? Only God could have done that. Only God could take a bread maker and make one of the greatest judges that Israel would ever know. Why could he do this? He was anointed by God to do it. The question isn't who has the talent to do it. The question is who is God's choice for the job. What is the anointing? The anointing is that thing that brings the flow with it. It is much like Aaron whenever he was anointed to be the high priest. The Bible said that the, that the, the man of God, the oil poured over his head and it ran down to his beard. It even flowed down to the skirts of his garment. The anointing representing a flow, a flow, a flow. Can I tell somebody that's why whenever God moves in our services, in a special way, do you know what happens? It will just flow. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When the Spirit moves, it flows. It doesn't matter what song sung, between the singing and the preaching of the Word, between the worship, everything in the service just goes hand in hand. That is why God tells us everything must be done decently and in order. I've been in some service that they tried to push the flow of the Holy Spirit and you could tell it was made up, it was emotionalism, it was just emotionally driven and you could feel there wasn't a a flow. Anybody understand what I'm talking about or am I just speaking a foreign language? If you've been in spirit-filled services, you know what I'm talking about when those times that you discern and say, man, that's not the spirit moving right now. That, 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 that's not the spirit. I can feel it in my soul. But then there's other services you went in and you knew that God was the orchestrator of the service. It wasn't planned by the music pastor. It wasn't planned by the lead pastor. It was planned by the Holy Spirit. From the moment we said the first hallelujah, it's good to see everybody body until we said shake hands and be friends we recognize that the spirit had flowed through that place in such a smooth way nobody could deny the anointing was there Gideon's that guy it's flowing he's the olive tree the anointing is all over him verse 10 then the tree said to the fig tree fig tree you come and reign over us but the fig tree said to them, should I cease my sweetness, my good fruit, and go sway over the trees? The fig tree represents the one with the talent. The fig tree refuses the request because he could only see one talent in his life. He said, I'm sweet. I'm a sweet tree. I'm a good tree. He's got one talent and that's all he sees. You see, there are too many people who don't understand that God can gift 
them with more than they think they have. God can give you wisdom to accomplish things through that you never thought. Whenever Solomon went to be the king, do you remember that storyline? Whenever he went to be the king, he told God, he said, God, I can't do this. I, I'm not worthy to do this. I, I don't have the brains to do this job. And he said, ask anything you want, Solomon. And God said, well, you know, I got other gifts, but I need wisdom. And what did God do? He gave him wisdom. He gave him riches. He gave him power. He gave him all of those things. God gave him more than he ever dreamed possible. Listen, never limit yourself to one talent that you see in yourself. That might not even be the talent that God uses. I want you to think about that. You may say, well, I'm good at doing this. That's my gift. And God may take you and say, no, 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 no. No, you are good at that. But that's not your call. I'm going to use you over here. But Lord, I can't do that. Moses says, well, God, I'm a good shepherd. You know, I've been watching these sheep for a long time. I'm pretty good at that. But God said, no, Moses, that's not your only talent. You're a leader. God sometimes gives us talents that we don't even know we possess because if it's God's will and the anointing comes on you, brother or sister, you can do anything through God. See, when God anointed Gideon, he turned a baker into a mighty warrior. When God anointed Moses, he turned a shepherd into a national, world-renowned leader that everybody knew his name. When God came to Amos, he turned him from being a farmer into being a great prophet of God do you understand today the gifted ones are easy to spot but that may not be who God chooses where are the anointed I can't help but remember the story when Jesse came in to anoint David and he walks in and he sees all the other brothers he notices immediately their talents he sees their strength he goes to the eldest who's the tallest and he says, surely, you, you read your Bible. He said, surely, this is the Lord's anointed. Look at him. Just look at this guy. Man, he's strong. He's got all the attributes of a king. I can see the talent in this guy. You're the guy. Let's anoint you. And when he goes to anoint him, God says, oh, blah, 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 blah. he's not anointed. Not with my anointing. He can't be the king. And he goes all the way down to every son, finds every characteristic in them that he can see that qualifies them to be the king. But God says, they're not the anointed. So here he is standing saying, Jesse, where's the anointed? Where is the one that God sent me to pour this oil over? I've got the ram horn. I've got the oil in the ram horn. All I need is a vessel to anoint. Where is the anointed? And Jesse says, well, there's this little boy out there in the field. He's a red little fella. I didn't think you'd want David. I didn't even bring him in because I really didn't think David qualified for the job. You know, I just, He's not the type of guy that you think of when you look at and say, that's a king. You know, He's kind of rugly, kind of struggly boy. He, he, can't, he can't do that job. And he said, go get that boy because I'm afraid that that may be the Lord's anointed. And when he walked in the house immediately, the Bible said that God told Samuel, the man of God, he said, this is the Lord's anointed and he walked over there and poured that anointing it flowed onto his life listen to me folks there's some people you may not think can God can use you may not think they can be used in the church they don't deserve to be used you know what they've done let me tell you he had an illegitimate son Gideon did but God still raised him up and made him a mighty leader David committed adultery with Bathsheba but yet God still made him one of the greatest kings to ever live 
Don't ever underestimate what God is able to do with someone that will come to him and say, Father, anoint me and use me. That's dangerous when you tell God that. Because he'll do it. He'll take you and he'll use you in a great and mighty way. Verse 12. Then the tree said to the vine, Well, vine, why don't you come rule over us? But the vine said to them, Should I cease my new wine, which cheers both God and men, and go sway over the trees? See, they were going about finding the leader the right way in Jotham's parable because this is the steps that they were taking. First, they went to to the anointed ones. Secondly, they went to the talented and the skilled and the gifted ones. And then they just wanted someone that was filled with the Spirit. Because the grapevine, the vine represents the new wine, represents the Holy Spirit. In verse 13, he says, this is new wine. Can I tell you, I want you to think about this. The Holy Spirit has all the gifts in a nutshell. All right? Read 1 Corinthians and you read, I believe it's chapter 14, is it 14 maybe? I believe it is where the gifts of the Spirit are talked about. There's nine distinct gifts of the Spirit. There's gift of helps, there's some others, but there's nine main gifts of the Spirit. Now I want you to think about this. The Holy Spirit, in a nutshell, has every one of those gifts, all right, in His power. It's Him. All of the, you read your Bible, it says the gift of discernment, the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, the gift of wisdom, the gift of uh, all of these, a gift of miracles, the gift of faith. He gives us all these gifts, and a gift of knowledge, the gift of word of wisdom. He gives us all these, and then He says, guess what? They are all operating by the same Spirit. So the Holy Ghost is the one that gives you the ability to operate in any of the gifts of the Spirit. Now I want you to think about this. If you are baptized with the Holy Ghost, He is all of those gifts, and He's inside of you. Did y'all grab that? So that means when the anointing is inside of you, there is not a gift of the Spirit that God has that you can't operate in. Woo! Somebody said, Preacher, man, you've missed it now. No, I think I've really got a hold of something here because they're all done by the same Spirit, the same Spirit of Acts 2-4 that came at Pentecost and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Listen to me. If we would walk in this anointing, if we would live it out, if we would walk it out, God would use us in the gifts of the Spirit more because if the same Spirit that uses these gifts in the church is inside of me, then God can use me in all of them the question that's burning is where are the anointed that's what I gotta know where are the anointed because God's ready to use us folks God is ready to shake this world to its foundation God is ready to save more people than he's ever saved he's ready to send revival to his church like he's never sent before the bottom line is he's looking for a Gideon he's looking for a David he's looking for a Moses he's looking for somebody that will rise up and say I am anointed I've got God on my side the Holy Spirit is living inside of me I'm going to operate and function in that gift and talent that God's given me where are the men and women that are filled with the Holy Ghost see being filled with the Holy Spirit is not just about joining the tongues crowd you know used to when we when I was growing up I'm praying to be filled with the Spirit I thought all I need to do is speak in tongues if I can just speak in tongues you know I'll be a part of the Holy Ghost crowd you know that's all I gotta do 
They'd beat me on the chin. They'd slap me in the head. Let him speak. Anybody ever remember those days where y'all ain't never had nothing like that? Let him speak. They'd beat my throat. No, my Lord. I don't think this has got anything to do with my throat. I think it's about my heart here. I, th- I think it's about my heart. I, th- I think it's about sanctification. I'm thinking about opening up myself, allowing him to take over. I don't think this has anything to do with you beating and jabbing my throat right now. Just distract the mess out of me. You know what I'm saying? Anybody? Yeah. Screaming in my ear, hollering. I'm like, my Lord, I'm going to have to get the Holy Ghost at home because I can't around this church, people. They're crazy. Hollering and screaming at me like I do in the pulpit, I guess. They're beating on me. Grabbing my head, I'm sweating. I get tired. They throw my arms back up and say, You gotta praise him to get him. I'm like, Man, I've been praising for two hours. I'm give out. People think that when they get the Holy Spirit, oh, they join the tongue talking crowd. And there's some people when they get the Spirit, that's all they do is talk in tongues. But if you don't walk it out, come on, somebody. They think, if, if I can just get the Spirit, then I can join the shouting crowd. Hallelujah. We can get emotional, we can kick, we can run, we can, we can do all these things. Oh, praise God. But let me tell you, when you get the Spirit of God, you join the power team. Do you understand what the power team is? Now, I'm going to show you biblically what being filled with the Spirit means. Are you ready? When you are filled with the Spirit, you will cast out devils in my name. You will prophesy in my name. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover in my name. You will raise the dead in my name. You will stand up against sin regardless of whether people want you to speak or not. Because the Holy Spirit won't allow you to sit by and just wink at sin. You've got to let them know it's wrong. That's joining the Spirit-filled crowd. Verse 14 and 15, I promise you I'm closing. Come on to the piano, please. Then all the trees said to the bramble, which is no more than a thorn tree. Hey, you come and reign over us. They just want somebody to be their judge. The bramble said to all the trees, If in truth you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Finally, out of desperation, they turned to a thorn bush. The bramble didn't have the anointing. As a matter of fact, the bramble is offensive. He sticks people. He gouges people. He rules by force. He rules with the thumb of iron. The bramble says, come under the shade of my branches. In other words, I want you to bow down to me. If you are serious about me being your king and and the leader, then you come and you bow down and serve me. He's more interested in being served than serving others. And if you're going to walk out the Spirit, whether you're a pastor or whether you're a church person, you have not come to be served. You have come to serve. Come on, God. Serve me. Give me what I want. That's not what living out a life in the Spirit is about. Those that are anointed do like Jesus and say, I have not come to be served, but I have come to serve. Because my purpose is to win as many people to Jesus Christ as I can. My purpose for my anointing is to keep people encouraged. To keep people in the altar. To keep people ready. To preach to them what the Word of God says. Even when it hurts. Because I know that's what it's going to take to get them to heaven. That's what the anointing says to do. The bramble. True leaders serve God's people. 
wrong leaders want God's people to bow down to them and serve them. We got too many rock star Christians, too many rock star leaders, too many rock star pastors that, that want a big, shine, bright, shining light on them, but they don't want to truly do the work and ministry of Jesus Christ. Do you hear what I'm telling you today? There are thorn bushes, thorn bushes that run parts of the kingdom because those who have been anointed to lead us, they've stepped back. The ones that have truly been anointed haven't stepped up to their rightful kingdom position. Where are the anointed? Where are the anointed? Listen, if God hasn't called you to be a Sunday school teacher, then you don't need to be a Sunday school teacher. If God has not anointed you to be a preacher, you don't need to be a preacher. God specifically anoints you for His divine purpose. I believe people that serve as fire workers, I believe that God specifically gives them that anointing, that push, that drive to help rescue people. I think people that serve in our police force, I believe nurses like my wife and, and Susan and many of you others in here and Carrie joining the club, I believe that's a ministry that God can use you in and anoint you. To pour into other people's lives. You have that opportunity. And Susan as well. All that are nurses here today. Teachers in schools. My God. What, what an anointing that God has given you. To be able to pour into that generation. That's coming up. To pour into them the love of Jesus through your action. To think that, that one day they're going to look back. And they're going to remember. That teacher helped me. That one thing that she said to me. I'll never forget it. She told me I could make something out of my life. And I've done just that. It's because of what she told me. God anoints you to do certain things. God's anointed me to preach. That's why I'm preaching here tonight. When God anoints you to do something. You need to do it with all of your might. Because in this dark world, the anointed people are going to have to stand up and be accounted for. I'm telling you, we're going to go to hell in a handbasket. We don't want to be that nation of Psalm 917 that those that turn their back on God, those nations will be thrown into hell. We need to stand up and be accounted for. If you're anointed, do it. I had a friend that many years ago, he told me, he said, he said, he said, the Lord called me to preach. I know I'm a preacher. I said, boy, you better go hit your knees and pray. I don't know if God's called you to preach or not, but I tell you, if he ain't called you, you better go back home. It was about a week or two later, he decided, you know what, I've been praying about this thing, and huh, I really don't think I'm cut out for that preaching stuff. He figured out that wasn't the anointing that God had on his life. When I look at the places that I am, and me getting where I am. Do you know what I recognize? It's not my Lee University education. Even though me and Brian are very proud of that. It's not my Lee education that's got me where I am. Alright? It's not just because I can sing. It's not just because I preach a sermon. There. It is because of the anointing. And I recognize that. And you need to do the same. Because whatever you're doing... You need to understand, by yourself, you, you can't. You've got to have the anointing flowing through you to be able to truly. And Gene, I missed you too, also in nursing. And I'm looking around, oh Lord, there's more people. I'm, uh, my God, how many nurses do we have? If I ever fall over, y'all ought to be able to save me for sure. If you don't, shame on you. 
Once I find that anointing, and I begin to flow in that anointing, God uses me there. And I'm telling you the same thing. Recognize what God's anointed you to do. Rise up to your rightful position. Be accounted for. My God. You got a song? What, what, what's she playing? Sing it. Let's stand. Let's, let's stand. Let's sing this together, if you know it. Anointing. Anointing. Fall on me, Jesus. Thank you, God. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me. Yes, sir. Oh, sing it again. Hallelujah. Oh, anointing. Fall on me. Anointing, fall on me, and let the power of Holy Ghost fall on me. Anointing, fall on me. Father, right now over this congregation, as we pray together, I'm asking you right now, let people recognize their rightful place in the kingdom. I'm asking you to help people right now to recognize that you have anointed them to do what they're doing. Every one of them is not a pastor. Every one of them, it may not even be church related what they're anointed to do. It may be out in the world, in the secular world. It may be on their jobs. It may be in the school. It may be in the hospital. But the anointing of God has got to flow through them. I'm asking you to help them to recognize that. That they need your anointing to be able to truly fulfill what God has willed for their life. So right now in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, let that anointing flow from above. Let them feel it from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. Let the people that come out of Gap Hill Church make a difference in the world, in the lives of children, in the lives of other people we come in contact with. There may be somebody that doesn't know Jesus that through our testimony, through that anointing, when we touch them, even as nurses, when they touch them, that they not only feel a touch physically, whether it be to check their temperature or to whatever they're doing, Father, but when they touch them, let this anointing of the Holy Spirit that flows, let them feel a connection with the Spirit spiritual world. Let them feel the power of God radiating off of their lives. Father, for those in business, when they come in contact with people, let the anointing flow like a river. I'm asking you, Father, help us to recognize this. We are the hope of the world. We are the ones that's going to make a difference. Where are the anointed? Where are the anointed? Where is that flowing that we used to have in our lives? Where is it? Let it show up again. Stir us from the inside out. Let us rise up to our rightful position. Sing it, Brian. I'm closing. I'm gone. One more time. One more time. Sing it with him. Sing it with him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Anointing. I need your anointing, Jesus. I need your anointing. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Amen. Shake hands with me, friends. God bless you.